2 Timothy 4, Paul is talking about the wrap-up of his life. The wrap-up of his life. And look what he said. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Now there is a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not to me only, but to all those. Underline that with me, would you please? All those who have longed for his appearing. You know what Paul learned early on in his life? This wasn't it. He said, I've got a reward waiting for me. I got all eternity waiting for me. I got the promise of God's glory. I've got the blessings of God's coming. I've got the the overcoming victory of God working in my life. Why do we focus our life on that little piece? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. There is a farmer in in uh, Thailand, and this is an old ancient proverb, but all the stuff that I've researched have found it to be a truth, not just a a antidote of some sort. But the story is shared, and I may have shared it in the church before. I, I don't remember. About a farmer who had a mare. And the mare ran away. All of a sudden, because having a horse was such a huge importance to the cultural or the agricultural community for plowing and so on and so forth, all of the neighbors came and, and, and they started talking to the, to the old farmer and said, oh, this is so bad. We're so sorry for you. You know, this is really horrible. And the old farmer interrupted them and said, how do you know it's bad? A couple of weeks went by. All of a sudden, the mayor returned with an entire herd of horses behind her. The farmer and his only son corralled the horses, set aside a few good stallions, set the mares in another place for for, as brood mares, for breeding stock and so on and so forth. All of the people came, gathered around, said, man, this is good. Oh, congratulations. The old farmer stopped him and said, how do you know it's good? I'm going somewhere with this. Boys being boys, the son thought he would 
cover one of those strapping thoroughbreds and decided one day to try to break one of the stallions. Well, the stallion broke him. Now he's laid up with a broken leg. Can't do anything. The people came over because the old man's old. And the boy did all the farming and did all the work. And, and the farm, they came by and they said, man, we just heard. What, we, we're so sorry. Man, this is really bad. And the old farmer said, how do you know it's bad? As it was a few days later, the Taiwanese army came through, taking all of the horses and all of the able sons to war, to which most of them did not return. All there was was a son, a farmer, and a stallion left. How do you know something that just happened in your life is bad? Because it feels bad. Does that make it bad? Well, it seems bad. Does that make it bad? Or I feel good about this. Does that make it good? A lot of people, they get into Christian fatalism. Well, if it's good, it's got to be God. Can you give me one chapter and one verse that says that? Well, if it's bad, it can't be God. Can you give me one chapter or one verse that says that? Because, you see, I see lots of chapters and verses say just the opposite. This farmer understood something about something I believe that you and I fail in hugely, and that's perspective. Common sense is something that I think is very uncommon these days. And it is, is because we base so much on emotions and feelings, likes and dislikes, wants and desires, more than we do on the fact that there's something more going on than what's going on. Can somebody say amen? Pastor Philemon is not with us today. He is in Colorado preaching a conference. Several months ago when we, when Pastor Philemon and I uh, first started talking about him coming on staff at our church, one of the things that we talked about is because he is a prominent keynote speaker for, for uh, uh, conferences and different things around the world, that there will be times that he will be able to go and take care of these conferences, take care of these meetings, and I'll hold down the church. But there's also times that I will be able to go away, and he will hold down the church. Why? Because, folks, it's not about Victorious Life Christian Center. It's about the kingdom of God. And so he is in Colorado. He'll be back tomorrow evening. Is that right? Mama's missing him. Or she's rejoicing at the free time. I'm not sure which it is. It could, be a, it could be a little of both, you know. I talk about going away sometimes for a few days, and my wife says, soon? <laughs> I think you wives would like us husbands to go away once in a while. I can't believe I got two amens from the women, okay? It, yeah, that was a great place. But this old farmer had an idea about perspective. Let me change the word perspective to another very similar synonym, attitude. There's some folks walk around as victims every day. There's some people that walk around as victors every day. It doesn't matter how bad things go in their life. They still walk as if they're on top of the world. 
How do you know they're not? There's a lot of people that come up to me and they'll say, hi, and I'll say, usually. I get some strange looks from folks. Because I am. You see, I've been a Christian for many years, and since the day I got saved, I've been on a high, folks. Let me give you some stats. They're in your notes. I believe I left them there. The National Sales Executives Association said that 80% of all new sales are made after the fifth call to the same person. 48% of the salespersons make one call and then they don't call again because they don't get a positive response or the response they were looking for. If you're in sales, you need to listen to this. 25% of salespersons quit after the second call. Matter of fact, if you're a Christian trying to witness, you ought to listen to this because it still applies. 12% of the salespersons call three times and then quit. 10% are all that will keep calling. And it's those 10% is in that 10% that they persist, therefore they get a payout. You know, the Bible says one man plants, another man waters, but it is God that brings the increase. Ladies and gentlemen, since when is it about you or me? It's always been about him. And when you and I come to that perspective, the bad isn't as bad as we think it is. And sometimes the good isn't as good as we think it is. Am I making any sense today? Many Christians Though this may sound like secular reasoning, many Christians give up before they ever obtain the reward that God has promised because they grow weary of their everyday task of living the Christian life. They get so close, yet they stay so far away from the promise only because they forget it's not a today or a tomorrow thing. It's an eternal thing. Somebody asked me, were we going to have a lynching today? I thought deeply about it. But then I was overcoming compassion. And I love you too much, Ken. Okay. God, just. You see this rope? I saw a pastor recently. And he used this little simple illustration. I thought, man, that's so cool. That worked with today's message. You see this rope? I want you to focus on this red part. Because that represents your life and mine. And you know what we do? Our perspective is, man, if I just wait till I get to 18. Welcome. Been missing you guys. Wait till I get to, man, man, life is just going to be, oh, whoa. Man, when I accomplish that school and I get to, when I get to 27, man, I'll be on the road. How many 27-year-old college graduates are working for minimum wage or not working at all? Man, wait till I get to retirement. I'm going to live a whole lot. Well, not a whole lot left to live. <laughs> But that's our life. And that's eternity. Why do we keep the perspective that this is what it's all about? 
You see, this problem right here keeps you and I focused on us when God wants us to focus on him. And when we get our focus on the fact that eternity is what it's all about, it'll change our perspective. Unimaginably and amazingly. I'm going to lay your life over the ledge and just let you look at it for a while. William Grinnell said, none sink so far into hell as those that have come the closest to heaven. Look what the scripture says. Those that endure till the end in Mark 13. The Bible says in Galatians 6, don't be weary in doing what is right, for in due season you will reap. In Galatians 6, in 2 Thessalonians 2, it says, do not be deceived, but stay committed to the task ahead of you. 1 Peter 5 says, be self-controlled. Stand firm because your adversary is looking for someone to devour. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of God, knowing that your labor in Christ is not in vain. Rick Mears, the great Indy car driver of years ago and still races today, he said, if you're ever going to finish first, you've got to first finish. Second Timothy 4, Paul is talking about the wrap-up of his life. The wrap-up of his life. And look what he said. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Now there is a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not to me only, but to all those. Underline that with me, would you please? All those who have longed for his appearing. You know what Paul learned early on in his life? This wasn't it. He said, I've got a reward waiting for me. I got all eternity waiting for me. I got the promise of God's glory. I've got the blessings of God's coming. I've got the the overcoming victory of God working in my life. Why do we focus our life on that little piece? Do we see life as a losing battle or a winning endeavor? I remember an unemployed pastor one time said, I could tell you one thing, I am no quitter. I pastored three churches until all of them died. This guy has a perspective problem, doesn't he? His whole system of values worked around him. The regard wasn't the fact that the church might have been more important than him. He just stayed the course until it was dead. That old boy should have left those churches before he killed them. But he looked at the temporal aspect of his ministry and not the eternal aspect of God's kingdom. Can I hear you say amen? You see, I've learned sometimes there is need for change. And if something doesn't change, everything will change. You and I have to be able to look past the temporal to the eternal. Eternal values keep you pressing on while temporal values 
keep you bound up. This is what happened to Demas. You can read the story in 2 Timothy 4. When Paul talked about Demas, he talked about him three times. The first time with, 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 with great honor. Demas is with me. He's profitable for the kingdom. The second time you hear about Demas, Paul is talking about him in, com- in connection with Luke. The third time you talk about Demas, Paul said, he has forsaken me because he chose to love this present life over eternity. All that we do must be viewed with eternal significance. The title of this sermon, the series that we started a couple months ago, What Will You Lose to Win? And I titled this message, Winning and Losing is Mostly Perspective. C.S. Lewis said it this way, those who thought the most of the next world were precisely those who did the most in this world. Look at Philippians chapter 2. I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive the news about you. For I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, but not for those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy has proved himself. This is how I felt with Pastor Philemon when I brought him on staff at this church. I have no one that will look after you like I do other than Pastor Philemon. And that is one of the reasons that he is your executive pastor is because I know I don't have to ask, I don't have to think, I don't have to question. I don't. He is going to look out for the best interest of your life. Can somebody say that's exciting? See, wrong values keep you thinking wrong things, keep you doing wrong things, keep you making wrong decisions and ultimately going wrong directions. This is why that the Word of God tells us that we have to keep the right perspective. We have to keep our eyes focused on the things of God at all times. Philippians chapter 2, look what it says here. It says, consider others more important. Consider others more important. Well, that's a novel thing in this society, isn't it? Consider others more important. Consider others more. I've got to change the record, don't I? Consider others more important. Consider others. It's broken right there. Consider. Uh, you think I could preach the whole sermon right there? Since when's it about you? Since when's it about me? Since when is it about God? Always. Consider others more important. Look what it says. Each of you should look not only to your own interests. Listen to me. The word of God is not saying that you can't be focused on what you're doing. But don't make that the focus of what you're doing. Focus others also. This was the attitude that was in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, if I was to ask you to think about in your heart of hearts, in the depths of your being, the thought, he stepped out of eternity into time. He stepped from life into death. He stepped from this to this. And he lived 
these 33 years? For himself? For you and me. Why is it that we focus these years on anything else but him? Well, you know, I've got a career. That's going to be done. I've got family. That's going to move on. I've got a career that will probably be shut down by the government. Oh, did I say that? Why is it that this becomes the focal point? Why is it that it's about me, myself, and I, the other trinity? Why? Am I making any sense today? Brother Hensley, I am. You see, we have a tendency, number two in your notes quickly, to see what we have a tendency to see. Can I tell you something? If I'm looking for the bad in somebody, I can find it in short order. If I'm looking for the good, it might take me a little longer, but I can find it. One of my great faults, people say, I think are one of my greatest strengths. I look for the good in everybody. I don't build on people's weaknesses. Weaknesses, is there anybody here you don't have any weaknesses? Okay, I didn't want to open the altar for liars yet. I try to find the strength in your life and pour everything I can into that strength. You know what happened to that weakness? It'll run away. Oh, I dare you! When that strength comes around. You see, the Bible says that the strong man cannot be broken until a stronger than he comes. And can I tell you something? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And the strong man will break the stronger. The stronger will break the strong man. He'll take authority and he'll come over that you can overcome. Look what it says in Proverbs 16. When a man's ways please God, even his enemies will be at peace with him. I know this is shocking, but there's one or two people that don't like me. True, true. True it is. And when I find them and I come into their presence, they know that I've come into their presence because I come up to them. And though they might have words they might use of why they have this problem, they don't have any validation of it. Why? Because I make sure that they see Christ in me more than they see me in me. And that's what you and I have to do. We have to stand up and say, no, it's not about me and it's not about them. It's about him in me that's going to get through to them. Can somebody say amen? Let me say this. The majority of the victory that you and I will ever experience in life in Christ is dependent upon the way we accept or reject circumstances in this life. The life that we will and must go through. Let's go back to our text. Paul said, I have fought long and hard for my Lord, and through it all 
I have kept true to him. And now it's time to stop fighting and rest. Now think about that just a second. Paul just outlined his life. I fought long and hard. I fought long and hard. I fought long and hard. Now it's time to rest. It's not time today to rest. Well, Pastor, I'm tired. Welcome to life. I'm frustrated. Welcome to life. I got all this pressure. Welcome to life. Isn't there something that we can do about it today? Yes. A pine box and 36 nails. But one day, this little portion of life will be done. And you will enter in to God's rest. But can I tell you something? You can have that rest today. Look what Paul said in 2 Timothy, or 2 Corinthians 4. He said, these troubles and sufferings of ours, after all, are quite small. How many think Paul has lost it? These sufferings and struggles, after all, they're quite small, and they won't last very long. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's riches, richest blessing. Our attitude has to become the end is worth the struggle. Let me begin to wrap this up. People look for encouragement, but they forget you can't have encouragement without commitment. See, character will challenge convenience and nurture commitment. To be encouraged in life, you've got to first be committed to life. You can't find encouragement without commitment. And without commitment, encouragement will be short-lived no matter how much you're encouraged. I have people, I, I have people, I have people. Pastor, you, you didn't say hi to me. When? Three Sundays ago. Okay. Hi. I try after service to get down off the platform, and I try to get through the crowd. Forgot you? Who? Me. Oh, oh hi. I missed you. Hi. I'm making up for lost time. Hi. Okay, okay, okay. But think about it. I try to make it to the back so I can shake everybody's hand. Do you know I have had people offended because they didn't shake their hand? Maybe I spit in my hand. You might not have wanted to shake it. I, I don't know. But think about it for a second. Why, why do we let this little encouragement or this huge encouragement be the governor of our life? Well, pastor's never been to lunch with me. Are you buying? 
If you're buying, baby, I'm there. We'll get you on the schedule. I try to be a very open, transparent. I've had people, I've had people leave church. Pastor doesn't, doesn't take time for me. He takes time for the important people. I see important people everywhere. Think about it. You know what's happening right now? The Holy Spirit is convicting some of you because you've said the same things. Or maybe not about me, possibly about somebody else. How do you know what he or she is going through? How do you know what he or she's weight is? How, how do you know what they're carrying on that day? Maybe it would be better for you to encourage them instead of for them to encourage you. See, when's it about us? I know some of you get nervous. I said, clock time, I'm getting there. You know what? The biggest problem in keeping the faith is commitment. Oh, watch it. That's Christian cussing. Commitment. You know, I, had a, I have leadership class first Monday of every month. And all of those in leadership are expected to be there. Now, there's valid reasons why somebody can't make it. They're working. They're dead. There's valid reasons. I could get offended. They didn't invite me to the funeral. I don't know. The biggest problem in keeping the faith is being committed to the task. We give up on God because somebody else gave up on us. Where does it say this? You know what convenience says? Drop down your notes for you calorics and you A-types and D-personalities. Don't get nervous. Skip down a little bit in your notes. Matter of fact, it's the back page. You know what convenience says? If I feel good, I'll do it. But commitment says, if I do it, I'll feel good. You know what convenience says? Depends on my mood. <laughs> That's a sermon in itself. Commitment says, I'll do what's important, regardless how I feel. Convenience says, what's in it for me? But commitment says, how can I benefit others? Convenience says, what's everyone else doing? How many have had that in your ministry or in church? Well, why should I do it? Nobody else is. Well, Jesus died for it. No big, no big thing. Just, yeah. You know what commitment says? What should I do to do right? Convenience says, if it's too tough, I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit. Commitment says, if it's tough, I'm going to work harder. Convenience says, always looks or says, I'm always looking for an excuse. And commitment says, but I'm looking for the answer. There are a lot of things in this life that we need to do, folks, even if we don't like it. A very familiar passage of scripture is about the father who had the two sons and the two sons Jesus said the story the father asked one son would you go do this and the son said yes I will father and then didn't do it 
The other son said, Father, no, I don't want to do it. Don't feel like it. I, you know, I don't have time for it. But he went and did it anyway. And Jesus asked the people, he said, who do you think did the right thing? And every single one of them said, the one that said they wouldn't, but did it anyway. This is the commitment that Christ has for your life and mine. Listen to me. Persistence, determination, commitment are many times the only difference between success and failure. Let me say it this way. In Christianity, it is many times the only difference between heaven and hell. How many ever, how many old enough to remember churning butter? Four people are willing to admit it. I actually churned butter when I was a kid. You had this little this thing, and you put cream in there, and you just until it got thicker and thicker. I got to tell the story. I got to tell you what churning butter is because you're not going to understand my poem if I don't tell you. So, you got the picture. And what happens? The more you churn it, what happens? It gets thicker and thicker and harder and harder, and pretty soon you can't churn it anymore because it becomes butter. A little poem. Two frogs fell into a can of cream. So I've heard it told. I'm, I'm trying to make my point on perspective. And if the, if the worship team would come join me now, we will end here with one more scripture. Two frogs fell into a can of cream, or so I've heard it told. The sides of the can were shiny and deep, and the cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, said number one? Tis fate. No helps around. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, sad world. And weeping still, he drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, dog paddled in surprise, the while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes. I'll swim a while, at least, he said, or so it has been said. It really wouldn't do the world much good for one more frog to be dead. An hour or two, he kicked and swam, not once did he stop to mutter, but he kicked and swam and swam and kicked and hopped out via butter. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I kept kicking. I kept swimming against the current. Paul said, I have a perspective that just because the world says it's bad, God might be doing something good. And just because the world might be doing something good, God might be saying, watch out. This is going to end up bad. If you take the perspective and change it around and say, God, I'm in this thing for you. I want the big picture. God will always give it to you. Listen to what Paul said. In the Living Bible, I love the way it's translated. It says, I fought long and hard for my Lord, and through it all I kept true to him. And now the time has come for me to stop fighting and rest. In heaven a crown is waiting for me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day of his return. And not just to me, but to all of those that are looking for his coming back. Is this your life? This little red piece of this rope? Is that, is that all your life is? What you've accomplished? 
or what you're accomplishing, the bank account you have attained. Solomon, the wisest man that's ever lived, he said, you know, I work and I work and I gain and I gain, and then I leave it all to somebody else, and I got no clue how they're going to squander it. What is our life? It's here for a moment and then it's gone. Why are we basing life on life? Why? Why do we base our, our, our days and hours and weeks and months and years on the things that matter to us and not the things that matter to eternity? Only a moment. C.T. Studd, the great 18th century preacher, said only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What is your life? What are you willing to lose to win? Winning and losing really is about perspective. Whose eyes you're choosing to see from. Whose attitude you're choosing to have. Whose life you're choosing to live. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.